humbly to you. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you use the weak and the things that are nothing, that are not the foolish things of the world. And Lord, I come as one of those. But I thank you, Lord, um, that you are our righteousness, you're our sanctification, you're our redemption, you're our wisdom. And Lord, we look to you, I look to you this morning and trust for you to produce what only you can produce in all of us. Lord, I want you the way you want me. I want to have everything you've promised me. I don't want to hinder you in my life. I want to know you the way you want to know me and the way you want me to know you, Lord. I want to long for intimacy with you the way you long for intimacy with me. I want my life to glorify you just like Jesus, your life glorified the Father. I want to offer myself to you, Lord, as a living sacrifice. I want to be crucified with you, Lord, so that your life can be manifested through my life. So, Lord, I invite you into my heart to produce a deeper cry for that, a deeper willingness. I trust you, Lord, to fulfill in me what, you, what I cannot fulfill in myself. I take it by faith. I stand on your promises, Lord. And I believe it for everyone else, Lord, that is responding to your voice in this hour, Lord. Please, Lord, um, Give your people ears to hear your voice. Just your voice, Lord. And help us to respond, Lord. So, Lord, um, I just, again, get me out of the way. Get my emotions, my thinking, everything. Lord, I surrender to you. I yield, Holy Spirit. I'm yielding as best as I know how. I'm yielding to you, Lord. Speak through your servant. Speak through your servant, Lord. Anoint the words of my mouth. Let them produce what you're wanting to produce in every heart that hears what you are saying to us this morning. And I thank you. I trust you to do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I do want to encourage anyone listening, uh, if God speaks to you through this and you're interested in what you're hearing, we're here. We're here. I want to share with you guys this morning really what God did last weekend. We had special meetings here. We sought the Lord for a few months. Uh, he laid some scripture on my heart. One in particular, Ezekiel 36, 
which I know was from him. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind God gave me that scripture that that was what he was intending to do. I believe it's not just for this church. I believe it's for anybody that wants what he has promised. I also believe it's for Israel, obviously, who it was really originally spoken to. And it's not totally fulfilled yet, but it's happening. Um, and I'll get into that more. But without me realizing it, seven years ago, this past weekend, uh, God called Rose and I out of a ministry we were in for 22 years. And I really didn't know where exactly we were going, but I know the vision he gave me. And But I, I couldn't understand how it would happen. And the verse he gave me, the main scripture he gave me, was Luke 4, 18 through 19, where Jesus, uh, when he was starting his ministry, got up and read in the synagogue, where it says, um, sorry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And when we read that, we understand that is the calling of the church. That is what Jesus was saying to his disciples when he said, Now you go, make disciples. You're going to do what I came to do. My spirit is going to come and indwell you. I'm going to empower you to be my witnesses, to walk in this anointing so that my gospel can go throughout the earth and accomplish what I came to do through it. And so, you know, we read that. I, God gave me to that. And obviously, I want to walk in that for myself. But I also had impressed in my mind a people, a group of people that had their hearts set on that. And so that was how it was in my mind that there would be a church, a, a counseling center that was kind of the, the way to fish or bring in people that were looking for answers that the world didn't have, that only the gospel has. Really that, that is really what we offer at the counseling center. The gospel. It's the only answer. And that a church would grow out of that, that would be a group of people that were tired of the norm, that were tired of, I guess, what church has become most of the time. Ordinary. Wrote. Um, you know, a lot of it sometimes just according to our own opinions and set doctrines or even ways of the world. You know, we've, we've tried so many different ways to get the gospel out. And, you know, God uses it in spite of us. He uses it. And he does reach people. Praise the Lord. 
I remember Paul was just happy the gospel was getting out. You know, the disciples. So I'm not upset about it, but I also understand that there's something greater. There's a greater way God works through his people, and we see it revealed in the early church. The way the church started, we it's all in Scripture. We can see how God meant for his church to operate. And when I read it, when I know um, I've experienced it in, in different ways in other countries and at different times, I know it's right because it's God, because it's what he thinks, it's what he says, it's what he does has nothing to do with man's opinions or man's efforts. It's all God just working through people that have come to a place that they understand their need for him and who understand what he did for them and who have offered up their lives as a living sacrifice that he can come in and empower to fulfill the great commission and to glorify him in the earth. So that's what was in my heart. I know there's people out there that want that. I know there is. And there is. They're everywhere. You find them when you go to different places. So, seven years. I set out to do that. But that was the problem. I set out to do that. And so God in His mercy... And what he made clear to me this last weekend was, and nothing was wasted these past seven years. It was just God getting the foundation laid. See, he's not in a hurry. I am. He's not in a hurry. And so he took seven years. I'm not going to get into all that. He spoke that to me right before we started the meetings. And then Rose realized, do you realize it's seven years since we left and that's this weekend? And God just began to unfold things and to show me what he was doing. And then he gave me scriptures that I'll be sharing with you that I know he has given to me. There's no, there's no doubting in my mind that this is what he's going to do. And this is our guide. And this is, we need to look to him now to let him build on this foundation. That's what he's doing. It's, it's not that the church started this last weekend. That's how it felt to me. But the building has started. It started seven years ago. But, you know, a foundation is a lot of, you got to dig, you got to get all the stuff out and get it ready and prepared. And then God lays the foundation. Well, that's where we're at. And all the stuff that man has tried to build, it's all crumbling. Praise God. Praise God. So this weekend wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. And I am totally good with it. Totally. And this passage you gave me in Ezekiel prior to the meetings really is the key to it all. And so I'm going to read it to you. Listen, I might be a little long this morning, but this message is probably the most important message I will ever give for this church. I'm not saying that it's hype and... Anyone that ever wants to join this church will listen to this message. And anyone thinking about being in this church will listen to this message. This is what God gave me to help people understand what we're in for. 
if we're going to be part of this church. I don't, it's not my business what other churches do. I know what he's called me to do here. I'm responsible for this little body. That's it. That's it. So this is what he gave me. Ezekiel 36. And I'll just start in verse 21, really the whole chapter. But, you know, God is concerned about his name. His name has been dumbed down. It has not been represented correctly. And that's exactly what happened with the children of Israel. Now, I preached on this, so I'm not going to get all into this. I'm just sharing with you that this is the verse. This is what God is doing. I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I don't do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among nations wherever you went. In other words, this isn't about us. This isn't because we're special or I'm special or anything. This is all about God and what he is doing for his name's sake right now. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, says the Lord, when I am hallowed in your eyes, or better word is sanctified. When I am the one ruling and reigning and revered in you, when that happens, then people will know. I am the Lord. And I will take you from among the countries, the nations, gather you out of all the countries. In other words, God is calling. Just like he's calling and going to call the children of Israel, he's calling. He's been calling since COVID started. I mean, he was calling before that, but it has intensified. COVID was the start of it. He's calling. The Spirit of God is calling. And, and there's people responding, but you understand, that's what this is really about. It's not about this little church here. God is calling a people unto himself in these days we're living. And it's out of what we have gotten comfortable with. And into something greater. I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle you with clean water. You will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. I will give you a new heart. This was the main verse, really. And you understand, this is the new covenant. This is what this is talking about. It's what it talks about in Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 10. It's what Jesus did on the cross. It's the gospel. It's what the gospel does or it's supposed to do in an individual. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments to do them. Then you will dwell in my land that I gave to your father. You will be my people, and I will be be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. And it goes on talking about abundance and fruit and growth that only God can bring about. And it's interesting, back further in verse 11, he says, your 
your latter part, your form, uh, I'm sorry, I will make you inhabited as in the former times and do better for you than at your beginning. Then you shall know I am the Lord. And when I read that, the Spirit of God impressed upon my heart the early church. Better. I'm going to do for the church better than what I did in the beginning. And I think the days we're living in warrants that. It warrants that. God is in the process of building and restoring his church, and it's for his name's sake. He's doing it here in this body, but like I told you, he's doing it in many other places. I actually talked to one of our board members And he described to me what's happening at his church. And it's the exact same thing. I almost fell off my chair. I mean, verbatim. They getting it. So I'm seeing there's little pockets. They're getting it. Somehow they're hearing the voice of the Spirit through all the confusion and all the mess that church has become. And the remnant is coming out. And they're hearing. They're getting it. They want to be a part of what God is doing. There's a call. And the Lord gave me four things to share with you. And that's what this church is going to be all about. The call. The call. There's a call. There's a cleansing. There's a promise. And there's a mission. There's a call. There's a cleansing. There's a promise. And there's a mission. Ezekiel 36:23 He says I will sanctify my great name which has been profaned among the nations which you have profaned in their midst the nations will know that I am the Lord says the Lord when I am hallowed in you before their eyes for I will take you from among the nations I will gather you out of all the countries I will bring you into your own land the call there's a call He's gathering. He's calling. Come out. Come out. Come out of her, my people. He's separating a people unto himself. And you and I get to choose. There was a word spoken in the meetings. A word of interpretation through tongues. And it was a word from God. And it was basically, you need to choose. You need to choose. So you get to choose. I get to choose. And I want to make this clear as I share more that staying or leaving this church doesn't mean you haven't chosen. I I want to make sure I say that. Like, oh, if you don't stay here, then you're missing it or something. So I just want to get that out there because we're not the ones. Like I said, I just know what God's doing here. Okay, uh, so I just, but we get to choose. We get to choose. God calls all his children to come out and be separate. And like I said, that call has grown since COVID. COVID is just the beginning. And God in his mercy is going to keep shaking, keep calling, and it would be wise to respond. That's all I'll say uh, before it's too late. Um, there's a very defined dividing line that's coming. 
What's interesting, and I'm going to get this in, more into this in the weeks to come, but there's, uh, do you notice a polarization that's growing in the country? Growing, 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 growing. Well, it's not just in the, the world and on the news and in the politics. It's in the church. And you could go on Internet, and there's a lot of guys on there, well-known names. They're feeding the division in the church because my way's right. And all these people, they're wrong, and they're just off or whatever. And, yeah, there's people off. There's wrong teachings, all that. I get it. But Christians don't realize they're actually vessels. That they're allowing a spirit. It's a religious spirit is what it is. And it's dividing Christians. And it's polarizing. But you know what? It needs to happen. But we've got to be careful we're not part of it. That we don't enter into that same spirit. Because trust me, you could find myriads of guys on the internet on YouTube denouncing this, denouncing that. We're right. This is the way. Whatever. It's time to get humble and get over the Word of God and ask the Lord what the right way is. So he's calling. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. This is the promise. Same promise in Ezekiel. I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. In other words, my presence will be in your midst. You understand when we come to this building, God's not waiting for us here. His presence isn't just hanging out here. He's in you and I. We bring the presence here when he's sanctified in us. When we're offering him our vessels, we bring his presence when we come together. I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. This is a picture of God being sanctified in his people. Verse 17 is our part. Therefore, come out. Therefore, come out. This past weekend was a defining moment for this body. That's all I'm going to say. Defining moment. Like I said, I'm not concerned about other bodies. That's their shepherd's concern. I am responsible for this body. I will be held accountable by God for this body and for every person that claims to be part of this body. I will be held responsible severely. Come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Then in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, it says, Therefore, having these promises, therefore, having these promises, beloved, 
Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's absent in a lot of churches. It's just absent. You know, I've listened to teachings and all that, and they're good. Nothing wrong with them. But there's nothing about this. I, know, I couldn't find anything about this. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. If we want all of His promises, if we want intimacy with God, if we want a passionate love for Him and other people, if we want the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit working through our lives so that we can be uh, an instrument in His hands to save and rescue other souls, we have to respond to that call. It doesn't work any other way. We have to come out. It means I can't be like everybody else. I can't base my walk with God in comparing myself with other Christians. I have to choose. You have to choose. What standard are you living by? What standard are you living by? See, that's what's held up here. I asked the Lord, Lord, why have so many people gone in and out of this church? You know what he spoke to me? Because you're telling that you didn't give them what they wanted. You gave them what they needed. Very clear. Not that all left that way. You know, I did some things wrong and all that. But the main gist, what I have seen a lot of the times is they didn't get what they wanted. And they didn't want what they needed. Which was God's standard. That's what happens. I can't base my walk with God on other Christians, my own opinions. I have to choose to live by His standards. And our standard must be, must be the Word of God. It must be. Can't be anything else. Don't even take my word for it. You shouldn't. You better not. Get in the Word. Don't take the guy on YouTube. Well, I'll go see what so-and-so says about it. No, why don't you go see what God says about it? I've been guilty of that. I'll have something. No, I don't know, Lord. Well, let me see what this guy said. Well, I like this guy. Let me see what he says. No, God, what do you say? What do you say? I'm not going to be accountable to what that guy said. I'm going to be accountable to what the Lord said. So what does that mean to answer that call? What does it mean I can't be like other people? Well, this is a great article. Article or something. Um... But it's called Others May You Cannot. This is the call to the remnant church. This is the call that's going out right now. This is why this church is here. This is who this church is for. I mean, we're here. Again, I know I'm going to have to clarify because things get taken wrong. I've got to make sure I explain myself. We're here for those hurting the broken heart and all that. But those that are members that have been believers or whatever... Um, this is what God's called. This is the level he's calling us who are true believers that have been walking with God that want to be a part of what God is doing here. Okay? Do, all right? So you understand what I'm saying, right? 
So if God has called us to really be like Jesus, he's going to draw all of us into a life of crucifixion and humility. He will put on us demands of obedience that we will not be able to follow other people or measure ourselves by other Christians. In many ways, God will seem to let other good people do things that he will not let us do. Other Christians, other ministers who seem very religious and useful may push themselves, pull wires, work schemes to carry out their, 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 their plans. But if you attempt that, it's all going to fall flat. <laughs> Amen. Others may boast of themselves, their work, their success, their writings, but the Holy Spirit will not allow you for any such thing. You cannot... Others may be allowed to succeed in making money, have a legacy left to them, but it's likely God will keep you poor because he wants you to have something far better than gold, namely a helpless dependence on him, that he may have the privilege of supplying your needs day by day out of an unseen treasury. The Lord might let others be honored and put forward, but keep you hidden in obscurity because he wants to produce some choice, fragrant fruit for his coming glory, which can only be produced in the shade. He may let others be great. He may keep you small. He may let others do a work for him and get credit for it, but he will make you work and toil without knowing how much you're really doing. Then, to make your work still more precious, he'll let others get the credit for the work which you have done and thus make your reward Ten times greater when Jesus comes. The Holy Spirit will put a strict watch over you. A jealous love. He'll rebuke words, feelings, wasting of time that other Christians never seem to be bothered about. So make up your mind. Is an infinite sovereign have the right to do as he pleases? with his own he might not explain to you everything a thousand things which puzzle your reasonings in his dealings with you but if you absolutely listen to this this is this is my heart you need to, if you absolutely sell yourself to be his uh, love slave his love slave i love that phrase he will wrap you up in a jealous love. He will stow upon you many blessings which only come to those who are in his inner circle. Settle it forever then that you are to deal directly with the Holy Spirit, that he is to have privilege over tying your tongue, chaining your hand, closing your eyes in ways that he doesn't seem to do with others. Now when you are so possessed with loving God that you are, in your secret heart, pleased and delighted over this peculiar, personal, private, jealous guardianship and management of the Holy Spirit over the life, you will then find the entrance to heaven. We get to choose what we want. This call of separation will touch every part of your life. It will touch your personal life, your public life, your pleasures, your amusements, your habits, your eating, the dress you wear, the books you read, the friendships you make, and your daily occupation. It will touch your outward life. It will touch your inward life. 
It will touch everything sinful, everything doubtful, as, as, as well as many secular and secondary things. Let us remember that we are not, when God is showing the, the, us these things, enforce them on others. It's for you. It's not so you can become critical of other people. It's for you. It's for me. And we'll have to ask ourselves questions like this about how we live our lives, about our choices. Will it glorify God or not? Will it promote or endanger my Christian life? Will it help or hinder a weaker brother? Will it prosper or damage my witness? Will it please or grieve the Holy Spirit? Will it lead me into or out of God's will? Will it make the teaching about God attractive? His calling. That's what this is about. That's what last weekend was about. He's calling. And then the promise is Ezekiel 36, 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. You will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. The cleansing. God is purging. One scripture he gave me for this church, he told me, this is what I'm doing, Jeff. This is what I'm doing. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 13. And it's using this example, but it's not just talking about this, okay? It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, that such sexual immorality has not even named among the Gentiles. And he goes on and explains what it is. But in verse 6, he says, your glorying is not good. Basically what he's saying, when you tolerate sin in the body, it's not good. You pat yourself. You think you're so merciful. You're glorying in the wrong thing. You should be grieved. You should be dealing with this. Do you not know a little leaven leavens a whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. God's purging this lump. And he spoke to me. We're going to get smaller. And I'm totally good. If we got a clean lump, I'm good with that. That That's not going to be hindered by hidden sin and people that are unwilling to repent, so be it. So be it. Praise the Lord. What do I have to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? The new thing, I, and I've heard this a lot, you're judging me. You're judging me. Well, I'm supposed to. <laughs> That's what God's called me to do. Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God will take care of. Therefore, put away from you this evil person. Ephesians 5, verse 1, tells us to be imitators of God as dear children. 
Walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But here it is, fornication, all uncleanness, covetousness. Don't let it even be named among you as saints, as fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather of giving thanks. Okay, so that's God's standard. That's God's standard. For you know this, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, which is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Get off of YouTube and get in the Word of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. It's because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Call it out. Matthew 18 gives us guidance when someone is in sin. Moreover, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. If he will not hear, take with you one or two more by the path of two or three witnesses. Every word may be established. If he refuses to hear him, tell it to the church. If he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you as a heathen or a tax collector. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. In other words, picture God's house, and this is on the cornerstone. This is like bedrock truth, okay? The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. In a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. We get to choose. We get to choose what kind of vessel we're going to be. So... Moving forward in this church, sin will not be tolerated among members. Ongoing, unrepentant sin will not be tolerated. It will be dealt with biblically in love, in humility, for the sake of the individual, for the sake of the church, for the sake of God's name and his glory. Scripture is clear on this issue. It will be dealt with according to the scriptures, not man's personal opinions or personal sentiments. We are here to present a gospel that not only cleanses, but breaks the power of sin in people's lives. 
not just alter their lives and get them to sound Christianese and do the churchy things. No, we're here to present the power of the gospel that totally transforms people's lives. That's what the world needs. If we sin, Hebrews 10 tells us, willfully, after we've received the knowledge of truth, there no, no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant which is sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace. We don't want to insult the spirit of grace. We don't want to bring the blood of Christ down and make it a common thing. For those who respond to God's invitation, this is the promise. And this is the goal in it. Ezekiel 36. If you respond, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep my commandments and do them. Again, it's the new covenant. It's God's promise to those who encounter the message of the cross, which is the power of God to us who are being saved. It's time to walk in it. God is speak God is saying it's time to walk in my promise. You shall be my people. This is the promise. You shall be my people. I will be your God. Give me your heart. I will give you my heart. I will give you my spirit. I will give you my power. And when he says I'll give you my heart, he's saying we'll have intimacy. We'll be one. Just like I prayed for you. We'll enter into the inner chamber together. We'll dine. We'll sup together. I can finally take you where I want to take you with me in knowing me. And I can reveal the things I've been wanting to reveal to you about me. It speaks of his transforming power. Changing us more and more into his image through his spirit and the anointing and the power he gives us to walk in his statues, to accomplish his plans, to, to accomplish his purposes in the earth. That's his promise. And the result we see in the rest of that chapter will be real fruit, real fruit. And the picture I have in my mind of this church right now is God is cutting it down to the base. Not that we haven't produced any fruit here, but it's, he wants more and pure fruit. And so he's cutting back for the good that's coming. It's what Jesus talked about in John 15. When we get into that abiding place, when we're walking with him in obedience. And we experience there's a lot of joy involved, trust me. And there's fruit Abundance of fruit. Then verse 23 in Ezekiel, he says, I will sanctify my name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you are profane in their midst. And the nation shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed, sanctified in you before their eyes. So lastly, 
the mission. This will be the result, really, uh, of fulfilling that mission. And it hasn't changed. God confirmed it Sunday night. (laughs) I feel like Jonah. Not that I was disobedient and ran from the Lord. I didn't. Um, I was just missing some things. But, you know, he's kind of like, he just brought around, it hasn't changed. What I gave you in the beginning, it hasn't changed. And now I'm going to finally do it because I got you out of the way. And I've laid my foundation and you finally realized it's got to be all me or nothing. I got to build it or it's useless. That's so clear to me. I mean, I knew that before, but now I'm ready. You build it, Lord. You do it. You do it. Hasn't changed. He gave me Ezekiel 36 as the promise. Now he's releasing this anointing for this church that he promised over seven years ago. The spirit of the Lord will be upon us. He's going to anoint us to preach the gospel to the poor. He's going to anoint us and send us to heal the brokenhearted. He's going to anoint us to proclaim liberty to the captors, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. God's going to have a people on the earth that are doing this. And it really all concludes with God being glorified. Then people are going to know I'm the Lord. Then they're going to know. When I have a people really walking in that, then they're going to know. So what does this look like for us going forward as a church? Well, I got a couple of things I'm going to read to you. Lighthouse Church will be based and defined by God's word alone. It will not be dependent. I'm sorry. It will be dependent on his promises, his spirit. It will be present space. In other words, it will be about seeking his presence, not dependent on a show, a slick presentation, any formula or programs that we offer tried it and you get what you attract that's all I'll say worship in our church will be no in and out our affair but it will last as long as it takes for people to open up to the real presence of God and what he's wanting to do in our midst both leadership and laity will be committed to this pursuit for his honor and for his glory. So you understand, while I'm saying this, I am committed to this. I'm not wavering. I know God's spoken to me. My face is set like a flint on the Lord. There is no doubting in me anymore because I know God has spoken. God will be free to move however he chooses. Leadership will be open to out-of-the-box things to happen that haven't been planned for, but also that won't compromise the truth of God's word. Historically speaking, unusual, messy, out-of-the-box manifestations and occurrences have punctuated every visitation of the spirit that has ever impacted this culture. As your pastor... I will be willing to absorb 
a certain degree of messiness. But with that, I'm dedicated to follow Scripture and bring correction where it's needed. So I will correct out of orderness. Or people drawing attention to themselves, whatever it may be. But I will be open, too. I will allow a little messiness. Um, Historically, um, amply demonstrates that when leadership try to control through a religious spirit and they try to suppress manifestations of the spirit, both the number of salvation and incident of miracles diminish. We want to cultivate a culture that honors God. A love for God, a love for others, will be the primary focus of this church. You get that? A love for God, a love for people, will be the primary focus of this church. Lighthouse Church will not be hungering after power like so many revivalists do. The mere presence of power doesn't necessarily lead to the creation of an atmosphere of love and safety that both the saints and the world can rely on. The goal of our pursuit will be intimacy with God, oneness with his heart. Everything we do will be about pursuing intimacy with him, walking with him as that separated vessel, allowing him to use us as dispensers of his love, his mercy, his grace to one another and to those who are lost. We will be a people who go in his love, in his anointing to share the gospel with others. We will be committed as a body to plumb the depths of Paul's affirmation when he wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer us who are living, but it is Christ who is living in us. And now I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Power, signs and wonders will simply be a byproduct of that. They will be present, but they will be a byproduct of that. So I'm believing God for that, but it will be a byproduct of that. God is calling us to impact souls around us. It's only going to be when we're walking in the way he's promised. And God gave me this verse this morning. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So there's no doubt in my mind. God has spoken. He's going to do what he promised. The foundation has been laid. It's been seven years. It's time for God to build this church. So he gave me some uh, specific scripture to help keep us focused and grounded and me. Uh, Ezekiel 36 that we looked at, Luke 4, but there's others as well. And, and this is to keep us, this one was really to help us guard us from a critical spirit. When God does start using us and things start happening, just keep reminding yourself of this, okay? 1 Corinthians 2. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. You see your calling, brethren. Yes, he's called you. But 
it's not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen us, the foolish things of the world, to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world, to put to shame the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, the things which are despised God has chosen, these things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And I'm going to give a warning. The minute... You start stealing God's glory. The minute I start stealing God's glory, we're in trouble. So we need to walk humbly with the Lord, and we need to give God all the glory and keep pointing to him. So important. But, but of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us. And you, you need to walk in confidence in this. Who became for us. Wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, that it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. As he's using you, as he's giving you wisdom, as you're walking in your call, remember it's all from him. has nothing to do with you. You're just a vessel. That's all you'll ever be, a vessel. And like I said, we'll never be the ones. There's only one. Um, And then this is another scripture. Uh, this is for me more, but I, I think we can all, obviously this is what we want. Um, and for anyone that stands in this pulpit, when we come to you in this pulpit, we're not going to come with excellence of speech. This is First Corinthians 2, 1. Or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. We are going to determine as leaders, as your pastor, um, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We will do this in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. Our speech, our preaching will not be with persuasive words or human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should be not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that means we will seek God. We will be men of prayer. We will be people that are looking to God for a word, relying on God, not trusting in our own abilities, not looking to the, the ways of the world to do what only God can do. And we'll do it humbly and in fear and trembling that we would not dishonor or misrepresent him in any way, but that we would do everything for his glory and for his name's sake. I am committed to that. I am committed to that. God's going to build his church. He told me he's going to place people in this body where he chooses. I'm not going to decide anymore. Um, This is going to mean some restructuring in the body that's already happened that we'll share at the end. Um, But but people, he's prepared the foundation. It's been seven years, and we're ready. God's going to build this church now. Like I said earlier, nothing's been wasted. A lot of people have come and gone. And they were all part of the process. I wept yesterday, um, driving in, thinking about everybody. Because I loved everyone. I still love everyone that came in and out of here, even though there was things and things happened, churches messy and all that. I was weeping, and it's almost like I was going through a grieving process, even over people that probably are going to leave after today. Grieving inside. But yet trusting and believing God that he's, he'll bring them where they need to be or whatever. 
You know what I mean? Um, just believe in God's best for them, but yet sorrowful because I love everyone that comes through these doors because God does. And there's a deep fellowship that comes with that, and it hurts. It's painful. But we got to go on with the Lord, as painful as it is. Um, a lot of people have gone and gone, but I believe those who God's bring will be graded into this or grafted into this body as members placed by God for his purpose. I believe that. So, you know, we're committed to humble ourselves, to seek him through prayer, the word, the Holy Spirit, for things to unfold as he deems fit. We're going to, like I said, be Christ-centered, gospel-centered, a word-centered church, a spirit-filled church, not a man-centered, not a man-opinionated church. And uh, so with that, um, we're going to be starting a Bible study on Wednesday. Uh, God was speaking to me this before the meetings, uh, but now I know which books. But we're going to be going systematically, uh, verse by verse, through 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, because he's going to teach us how to do church. We're going to follow his directions. And then I'll trust him to show me what book is after that. So the men will be doing that. You husbands should be teaching your wives. You should be instructing your wives. And I would encourage the wives that won't be in, listen to it. So you can be in sync what God is doing in the church. Rose will be leading the ladies. She's led to teach the women of this church to learn how to become seekers after God. That's what she's going to be doing. And I think she has some experience in that. So please take advantage of what has been worked through her life for uh, I don't know how many years now. Um, she really believes God is leading her to do this for the ladies. Um, then we'll be entering into a time of worship and prayer after that. So we're going to have the teachings at 630 sharp. Um, but we're not going to wait. People just need to start getting to church on time. That'll be the other thing. <laughs> we should be here early. We should, like, I'm going to church. I, I need to get there. Uh, not just haphazardly walking in the building. That doesn't show me that uh, there's an expectancy, unless you have kids, of course, that just don't cooperate. I get that. Uh, so you parents, you know, take it easy. It's all right. <laughs> For, but for those of us that don't have kids, um, we need to try and get here on time, okay? Um, it'll start at 6.30, then we'll have a time of prayer and worship. And then we'll include other meetings like the Friday nights. It's going to be a lot more prayer going on. There already has been, um, but um, that's going to be a lot of what defines this church, a praying church. I mean, that's got to be foundational. So it's got to be something that's developed in all of us. And I'll teach more on that, like praying, being led by the Spirit, uh, letting God pray through us, not just head praying. We need prayers, groanings in the Spirit, okay? Um, uh, Sunday mornings, like I said, will be whatever God has to say to this body. Um, that's typically how I operate, but... Um, through much seeking, through much prayer, study, 
um, I will strive to give you a word from God in the spirit of Second Corinthians. I mean, First Corinthians two. Um, so, for those who want to be a part of what God is doing, and uh, you're going to have to be here. You have to be involved. Okay, being a part of a body means being together. Uh, we had a church agreement that people signed. And I'm just going to say this in love, but most people that sign that don't honor it. Most people that have left did not honor uh, what it says in there. And, you know, you sign that before the Lord. So I'm releasing everyone from the church agreement. You're all released. Um, and if you want to stay and go over that and take it serious and, like, Honor that before the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I'm not going to hold you to it. Okay? You're released. Everyone in this church is released uh, to make a, a choice before the Lord. Um, and I'll love you either way. Okay? No hard feelings. Uh, this just needs to happen. It's just part of what the Lord is doing. Okay? Um, we need to really evaluate, like, is this what I really want? And I'm okay with that. Okay? Because this is what I want to say. This church is not going to be for consumers. All right? It just isn't. And I'll read a little of this of you. I know I'm going long, but this is important. And uh, anyone out there listening, uh, this is what we're going to be about. So if you're listening out there on the Internet, um, and this is what your heart's been longing for, we're here in Dry Ridge. there's an article called The Scary Church, and that's what we're going to be. I know that sounds like a scary church, but you'll see what it means. Many are working hard to attract the wrong crowd on Sunday, and the result is an Ichabod church. In other words, God's presence isn't there because it's consumer-based. And, oh, come here. We do this. We have this, blah, blah, blah. It's all about giving people what they want. Um We soon won't be able to define going to church the way we do now. God is coming to reform, to crush structures of of old for what is going to be introduced very soon. Our call isn't to stand strong until the shift comes. It's to to prophetically sound the alarm and awaken those at risk. God is coming. The force from heaven, the celestial asteroid, is going to impact the church. And most pastors and people will resist with everything that is within them. Man-made support systems will be removed. Praise the Lord. And I believe God started something last weekend. Um you know, we could call it revival, whatever you want to call it. I think he's renewing, it's starting. Um, but revival isn't necessarily marked by a full house. Revival starts in a room that reveals a remnant. Uh, the revival that erupted in the room full of remnants resulted in explosive church growth, growth and kingdom advance. Premature uh, church growth will result in multiplication of lukewarm, dead and dying people who have no idea what it feels to like have tongues of fire igniting over the top of them. 
the pure Christian message of surrender, repentance, holiness, intercession, rescuing souls from hell has been replaced by a self-centered gospel that boldly affirms and focuses on benefits without cost, on personal gain without sacrifice, on freedom without consecration. The church has unapologetically, boldly focused on how to have faith to receive while we're forsaking the call to have faith to give. The spirit of the age infiltrated the churches long ago and now all too often. That demonic spirit is the primary counselor. I believe it's the core mission of the church to give an opportunity for people to clearly evaluate their commitment and give them room to leave. And that's what I'm doing. The intensity of the truth demands it. We must call people out of a natural life into the supernatural, out of a casual place, into a radical surrender. Most people are repelled by the call to pray. Disciples um, loved the people that um, were, were against them, uh, but yet they prayed and they turned the worlds upside down with few who remained as a result. What filters do we have in our church to call a people to a transparent, genuine place of soul-searching and decision? You must start and continue with an upper-room atmosphere, an offensive, flesh-crushing gospel message. It's important to remember that the ecclesia, the church gathering, wasn't designed for the lost. So many pastors get derailed on this point alone. The church is a house of prayer for all nations. So what do we do with the people that are seeking that come in the doors? Do we turn them away? Absolutely not. We, we invite them into the furnace. We don't turn down the fire. We turn it up. We, those who are hungry for God must not be introduced to a tepid, natural environment with an image of God that just looks just like themselves. Reveal the glory of our mysterious, fiery, living God and watch them collapse to their knees in desperation. It goes on and on, but that's what we're going to be. I mean, that's just how it is. So he, he says this at the end, and I know this is going to happen. I'm okay with it. It's a challenge to pastors. Risk everything. Allow your church to dwindle, if necessary, to a few remnant people who will live, pray, walk, and advance in the spirit. The world is waiting for them. So I know God has spoken to me. <laughs> And even if it doesn't work out like I know, have it in my mind, I'm going to be obedient because I know he's spoken to me. And if it's just Rose and I at the end, I'll at least be able to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I did what you said. I did what you said, Lord. I tried to honor you the best I could. I, I, I determined to follow you, not man, not people's opinions. I tried as best as I could to give you everything so souls can meet a real Christ and experience the gospel the way I did. Because I know where I'd be done if I didn't experience the real God, the real gospel. So Rose and I are in this <laughs> to the end. 
because God's spoken. There's no doubt in my mind. So my heart, obviously, is for all of you to join. I'm not asking you to follow Rose and I. I'm asking you to follow Jesus. I'm asking you to believe him, to commit yourself to him in a way that he's calling all of his true children to walk with him so that he can have a true church in these last days we're living in that are going to fulfill that anointing that he came and fulfilled. That's what this is all about. Um, There's no other option for me. There just isn't. There's no other option. I know he's spoken. Um, So, Lord, uh, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you've done for me. And every, I know you did a, a work in so many over this last weekend. And I, I know, Lord, um, the devil's not going to snatch it because you, you gave us a promise. And I'm excited to see just it unfolding in different ones' lives, Lord, that are saying yes to you. And, Lord, I'm going to trust you to sort it all out, Lord. I'm going to trust you. God, to um, build this church, Lord. So I just pray right now, Lord, um, for your will to be done, for your kingdom to come, and for you to fulfill these words that you have spoken to us, to me. And I commit it to you, and I trust you to just do it. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name.